Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. Hello to all of you good humans out there and welcome back to episode number 52 of Good Humans Podcast. If this is your first time, I'm very grateful to have you here today. I hope you enjoy today's episode. This podcast is all about being inspired by the great stories of all of these incredible guests. Every single guest has a story that you will not want to miss. So please go back and check out the previous 51 episodes and also check out the 1% Good Podcast and 28 and Sober, my other two little weekly podcasts, which you can be inspired by. So check them out. The whole underlying theme of Good Humans is mental health, but with a bit of a twist. So please make sure you hit the subscribe button. If you keep coming back, thank you so much. Once again, this week, I've had so many of you tag me in Instagram stories, send me messages, and just let me know that this podcast is doing some good for you, and that's what it's all about. This podcast is a place to hopefully inspire you to seek the best version of yourself, and that's what I'm trying to do, and through these conversations, it's really assisting my journey, so hopefully it is for you as well. Today's episode, Isaac Quainer, what an absolute legend this guy is, young player from Collingwood in the AFL. I'll be honest. AFL isn't a sport that I've followed very closely over the years, but when I got offered the opportunity to speak to Isaac, I was so intrigued by his story with a family background in Ghana and representing not only Australia, but also Africa in the AFL. And yeah, his story's quite unique. I really enjoyed having this conversation. It was really special getting to learn more about the AFL for me and gather a bit of an understanding of the stepping stones that it takes to get into the AFL and also the story that, yeah, Isaac went through to get to where he is today. And he is one of the most impressive players in the AFL. I have watched a few of his pre- recent games and fire out the guy can play some serious footy. So sit back, relax, wherever you're enjoying your podcast from right now. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Please do send us a message if you enjoy it. And welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Isaac Quainer. How you going, mate? I'm going good. I'm going good. No, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Man, it's really good to have you on here. And I'm going to explain to the listeners firstly, this is the first time I've met you about three to five minutes ago. And and it's a little bit different to how I usually do this podcast. Generally, I have had a bit of a relationship with the person. So I'm really excited today to get to know you a bit better. I'm going to start by saying this, but we met through, well, not met, you're sponsored by YoPro and they're like, oh, make sure you mention YoPro. So I'm going to do it straight away and say thanks to YoPro for looking this up. around YoPro, best yogurt in the game. I do love YoPro. So thanks to YoPro for reaching out to me and then saying, hey, we want to get Isaac on the podcast. So I'm really excited to get to know you. And I just told you off air that I'm not a huge AFL fan. I'm going to be honest, but I have been looking around and do have a few friends, um, a few acquaintances, a few people that I know that are in the um, AFL. So I'm looking forward to getting to know your story better. I did chat to a few people and ask them about you and you're one of the best up and coming players. So 
I want to get to know the story. (laughs) (laughs) I want to get to know the story that got you to where you are today from, I guess, one young pro athlete to another. It's going to be interesting to learn a bit more. So the first question I start the podcast off with is, what are you grateful for? That's that's a good way to start. I like that. Um, What am I grateful for? I'm I think there's a few things I'm grateful. I'm grateful for my, my wonderful family that I've got around me. Um, I still live at home as of now. I'm actually moving out on Wednesday, but I still live at home with my my mum and three brothers. So I'm definitely grateful to be able to go back to that space and hang out with them all the time. Um, I'm grateful for my friends and my wonderful girlfriend. I'm actually in her room right now. She's just lying on the floor. Just <laughs> so I'm I'm grateful for you know those people who who, who support me and, and kind of have gotten me to where I am today. And obviously the opportunity to play AFL football, it's been a dream of mine ever since I was probably early teens. Um, and yeah, to be able to play for the team that I actually grew up barracking for is, yeah, dream come true. Yeah, I'm so excited to get to know the story and learn a bit more about that journey to get to, got you, that got you to where you are today because it's so impressive seeing young players come into the big league of AFL and start to make a mark. And from the research I've done on you, it seems like you are doing that, but we're going to get to know your story a bit better. And I want to get to know your story a bit better to see how you've got to where you are, because for me, it really fascinates me watching how different athletes in different sports and on good humans podcast, we've had wakeboarders, BMX, motocross um, players for the all blacks players for the wallabies, and you're my first AFL player, so I'm really excited. To get oh, there to, you go. Yeah, I'm excited to get to know your journey into it, and I'm sure we will have many more AFL players, but I'm excited to mm. chat to you for the first time. But let's rewind back. What was your upbringing like? Where were you born? And what was sort of your development childhood like with your family around you from what you can remember? Yeah, so um, I grew up in uh, East Doncaster basically my whole life, up until about the last like three or four years. But basically that was my upbringing. Grew up in East Doncaster. I uh, went to the local primary school, Doncaster Gardens Primary. Um, you yeah, had, had some, made some really, really good friends there. And then from there, transitioned to East Doncaster um, Secondary. So that was that was my schooling. It was pretty just a local primary school, local high school, similar friends were into the same high school. So it was pretty seamless for me in, in that regards. Um, as I said, I had my three brothers, mum and dad. Mum's um, Aussie, so um, yeah, parents are both Australian and then my dad's uh, from Ghana, West Africa. So um, he's I think he moved over here probably maybe 25, 30 years ago. Um, but so yeah, I've, I've had an interesting um, upbringing in regards to having two contrasting um, people and beliefs really and how they've been brought up and kind of been merged together um, as to one. So I had a, yeah, I, I got to be introduced to all the African side of things and then also the Aussie side of things. So it was an interesting little, um, when, it, when it kind of came together, it's been, when I look back on it, it was an interesting upbringing probably compared to a lot of my friends. Um, and then sport-wise, I tried everything. I just did soccer initially because my dad, Ghana, so they, they love soccer. Mm. Um, so he <clears throat> pushed me towards soccer early. I did cricket, I did football, I did um, arts, I did... Uh, basketball so then it kind of ended up being footy and basketball my main my main two up until all the way until I was 18 so um yeah I, I, had, a, I had a pretty pretty like sheltered upbringing it was, it was you know we probably came from pretty humble beginnings when I think about it we didn't have we didn't have a great house or we didn't have you know it was money has always kind of been an issue in our family but yeah we always 
made it through and there was there was never any serious issues but yeah we came from pretty pretty humble beginnings so that's why another reason as to why I'm so grateful to be where I am today because yeah I I didn't definitely didn't grow up with the luxuries that I have today Nah, it's so cool to hear how you speak about that to show that you're grateful for the upbringing you have had and the background that you come from. Do you have much family over in Ghana? Do you go back over there at all or have you spent much time getting to know the culture of over in Africa a little more? Yeah, so my whole, basically my whole dad's side and he's one of one of eight, one of eight or nine. Um, so the massive family over there. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been over there once um, when I was 11. No, sorry, when I was 10, I had my 11th birthday over there. So I had spent six weeks over there nice. um, and got to meet all, basically all my family. That was the first time I've ever met my aunties, my uncles, my cousin, my grandma, who I got to meet as well. My grandpa passed away even before my mum met my dad. So that was, but I got to meet everyone and that was really cool. I got to kind of immerse myself in the culture. Um, and yeah, that was, that was pretty special. Like I, and I, I, I really want to go back. I've, my dad's actually in Ghana as we speak now, um, attending some family stuff. So, I, I, yeah, we've, we've talked um, multiple times about trying to organise a little trip between whether it's me and him or me and a couple of my brothers um, heading back over there. And, yeah, just being back back in his country and him kind of showing us about, you know, where he grew up and where he used to hang out. And, and it's kind of pretty cool to... Yeah, just be part of a, a totally different culture. And I think that that's something that has kind of made me, me, I guess, in a sense. Yeah, I think, yeah, you can just see the way you talk about it, how like just present you are speaking about your family and your dad's life. And you can see in your eyes when you talk about it that it's like something that really matters to you. It's really mm. cool. Hopefully you can get back over there. Does it make you quite proud getting to represent not only Australia growing up and being Australian, but your heritage from over in Africa? Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's just something that's like obviously growing up in Australia. I've kind of always grown up as like being a bit different because that's just it's not the usual in, in Australia. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the minority, and I think as time goes on, I become more and more proud of my upbringing, and I become more and more present and and have more knowledge around it. Mm-hmm. And I'm still learning. Like I, I, to be honest, I don't like I don't know much. I don't know how to speak the language. I know like very basic words, but so there's so much that I'd love to learn about it. And I think, um, yeah, I, I think as I continue to mature and grow, uh, that'll come in time, yeah. Yeah, I love you say that. I actually spoke to <laughs> Harry, Harry Garside on Friday. I don't know if you know who Harry is. got bronze in the Olympics for boxing. Okay, um, yeah, no, he'll, he'll be coming out the week before your episode comes out. But I just see a bit of similarity in that, this idea of <clears> as you mature, kind of owning your story a bit more and like mm. – maturing and being more proud of the journey that you and your family have been on like harry spoke a bit about this idea of trying to live up to being who his brothers were and then once he got older he was like you know what i'm just gonna be and accept and love everything about me and it's cool that you've got this still awareness and curiosity to immerse yourself in your culture still as you continue to progress through your career and throughout your life i love to hear that let's get back into afl when did you discover AFL when did you what are your earliest memories of playing from a younger age yeah I think like I was I always kind of grew up in a pretty sporty family so all my cousins and that used to play footy when we used to catch up and like it was just one of those things that was always kind of around the family um 
obviously dad being from Ghana didn't it wasn't he had no idea about it mum not really much of a sporty person so it wasn't really introduced so much from my parents it's probably more just from my friends and and like cousins as well um I started playing Auskick which is like like a thing you do it's like a junior version of um AFL. like junior football yeah it's like yeah. the step before um you usually play from about age four to about age seven I think it goes for it's like three years um and I I actually started when I was nine so I started I was two years older than everyone so I kind of just got a late introduction into um you could say competitive football or, or um within a team and then I went straight from there to playing um with my best friend uh, at his footy club because he just he just took me up and um yeah so I kind of went from there so it was almost like I didn't I just played it probably more socially to start mm. like I didn't have massive aspirations of being an AFL player at that age it was kind of <clears throat> I love sport but I I didn't you know it was either basketball it could have been soccer it could have been arts like I wasn't really sure um but yeah it was just more of a more of a social thing early which was cool that's really cool. What about school? How did you find school? I love to chat to guests because I do have quite a lot of young guests and mm. school and sport is something that I tend to get a polar opposite answer. The, the, the <laughs> school wasn't for me or, or, you know, what I knew how important school was. And I see that in AFL, you guys have to, I know in some, quite a few of the disciplines of sport, they try and make sure that the athletes maintain education. I see that you're still doing university. Yeah. So yep. what was, what was school like for you during high school? Um. Yeah, it was, it was, I when I look back, like I enjoyed the social aspects of school. I didn't enjoy the work aspect of it, but I understood how important it was. So I applied myself to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So I was never really like, I'm not naturally, I wouldn't say I'm naturally smart, but I just tried really hard, to be honest. Like early on, I was, I think I did it pretty well. Like, like this is probably bad advice, but early on, I was like, I didn't really care that much. Like I was pretty average. Used to miss school all the time. Like not because I was like wagging, just because I would just stay home and just play games or something. I don't know. I was just being a little, little naughty kid. But then as as like as school became more and more full on and more and more uh, had more and more demands, I was like applied myself more. So by by the time I got to like year 10, 11, 12, I was like, All right, I actually really want to tip in. Um, and I, as I said, I went to a lo- uh, like a lo- local public school. Sorry, so we didn't have amazing facilities. We didn't have all the private school stuff that you know a lot of my teammates now went to private schools. Um, so you know, it came from a pretty, as I said, pretty humble beginning. There's not too many public school boys in the AFL these days. So yeah, but in regards to the schooling stuff, I. I just tried really hard, to be honest. Mm. Like I just, I just tipped in, and obviously, I was juggling football. Yeah, I was training, training four times a week, and then having school. So it that that was that basically consumed my whole life. At when I was seventeen, it was when I did um, year twelve. So yeah, I look back on school, and like I have really fond memories of school. Like I, I really enjoyed it. It was fun when I look back on it, but. Getting, getting home and knowing you have to do homework, that still haunts me, that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, man, I, I draw a lot of similarities from that, actually, the way that the more you apply yourself, the more you're going to get out of it. It's so important that we put that to almost everything <clears throat> we do in life. And it sounds like you did have 
quite a lot of maturity at that young age. And I think a lot of young athletes do because I feel like young athletes are thrown into this idea of discipline and this idea of kind of intrinsic motivation before maybe other people are. I feel like athletes start having to self-motivate and build sort of dreams around their sport and work ethic from that 14, 15. Like I'm sure you were the same. Like I was training in the gym doing weights at like 14 years old, 15 years old. I feel like uh, this is just me like thinking out loud right now, but I just, I felt quite the same. Like this idea that you do have to step up the work ethic lead, but you do see a lot of young athletes do it quite well because I think we understand the discipline. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I think there's a, and there's a lot of, really really intellectually advanced guys at the club like Darcy Moore um, Brody Grundy the two guys I'll just list off that you know I love having conversations with them because they're just so well thought out and just I just feel like I'm always learning something from them when I when I talk to them like it's just and then you obviously have your people that just school wasn't for them which is fair but mm. yeah, I 100% agree. There's a, there's a genuine correlation between applying yourself in sport and then having the same mindset in regards to school and your education. Yeah, for sure. I just think it comes so much back to discipline and obviously <laughs> being a young sportsman, discipline so important. Mm. When, when was it, when did it come to your mind that, you know what, AFL is kind of the path? Was there a moment that you went, you know what, it's not basketball, it's AFL? Or did you kind of keep all your options open until the end of school? Yeah, I was pretty lucky. I had a realization, I reckon, around 16 or maybe 17. So I was, I, I finished school early. So I finished school when I was 17. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, way to go, I reckon. Yeah. Done early. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I made the Oakley Chargers team, which is like the representative, like almost like level under state yep. for football. Mm-hmm. Um, and was also playing basketball at a representative level, like a, a, still a good level, like a, the, yeah. high, like the highest level under under state again in um, Victoria, but I kind of made, had this realization like I'm not six foot nine and really athletic, and like it's not I'm not going to make a career out of basketball like realistically. Whereas I'm making these representative sides and for football, so I feel like I have more of an opportunity in regards to that. And I'm someone that like almost. If I'm good at something, I gravitate to it. Like that's just, yeah. like that's just, yeah. So if I, if I find I'm better at football, then I kind of just slowly started to put more eggs into that basket and kind of like slowly wheeze my way out of playing basketball. But I still play basketball all the way up until that bottom edge year of um, of footy. Of, yeah, sorry, of footy. So um, yeah, I, I love like I love basketball still. I love playing it just more as like a social thing and just took a bit of a break from football but i reckon it was around about the age of 17 when i made that oakley side and started playing yeah so that was your last year of high school yeah because i feel like a lot of other people like you kind of touched on before it sounds like from my understanding that maybe through the private schools there is better afl programs and whatnot with the schools far more far more competitive between all the private schools so i can imagine that's where so many good players do come from yeah. Was it hard for you leaving school? Did you feel like you were like a bit of an underdog or were you like, you know what, I've got this in me? So what, what's the transition when you finish school into the AFL? It's something that I'm not super aware of. I know you got drafted first round, but do you want to maybe explain to me? And I'm sure there's a few yeah. listeners out there that 
progressing from finishing high school to what was the path after that? Were you working a job? Were you at uni? Were you yeah. training full-time trying to get in drafted? Yeah. So, yeah, my story is a little bit different because most people get drafted straight out of high school. Yeah. So as you said, I was 17. So um, I had to, I had this like filler year, which was actually in, in my mind, it was a blessing because while everyone else was at school, I had all this potential free time to tip into my football and also my education. So education wise, I did this course through Swinburne, who I'm actually still studying with today, but just a different course. It was a double diploma of sports management and leadership and sports development. So it was actually, it's, it was the second year, I believe it was run. So it's actually quite a new program and they do it through Richmond Football Club, the actual so one day a week, you're actually in at the Richmond football facility. And it's a really, um, I really enjoyed it because I'm a real hands-on learner. I like to learn from doing things. Mm. And that's what that course provides. Like you, you learn about all these gym movements and then you go into the gym and you do a gym session and yeah. you teach yourself or you teach your partner these movements. So I, I had a I had a ball and I did that with my best friend at the time. Oh, best friend still, I'm actually moving in with him soon. So um <laughs> Like we had, we had a ball with that and we were both playing Oakley at the same time. So we're playing that, that representative level. Um, and it all kind of just started to fall into place. So I was able to get to training earlier than everyone. I got there at about training started at 5.30. I was there at 4, 3, 3.30 lifting weights for an hour and a half before people came. So it just and it enabled me to, to feed that work ethic and feed that discipline we just talked about whilst also tipping into a, a double diploma, which, you know, is, is something something to have just education wise and something that I can be proud of that I've that I've completed as well. So mm. it was yeah, it was actually it was a really good, really good year. I I, I enjoyed that year a lot. Yeah, that's so cool. It sounds like you're very you're very switched on 18 year old. Did you find some time to let loose and have a good time after after school? Yeah, surely. Well, <laughs> yeah, well I, that's the thing. So school is I'm I missed because I made the AFL Academy. Uh-huh. Which is um, it's essentially like these thirty-two people across Australia that they get picked for this. It's it's supposedly the best thirty-two, but it, it's never yeah. really ends up. Being, it's just you know, if you, I just thought it was right place, right time for me. To be honest, I played well in this in this one trial match and and got picked, which was very very fortunate, very lucky, but mm. very proud to be part of that. <clears throat> and um. Yeah, so that that was that was kind of what, what were we actually. Wait, you miss school is you miss school. Yeah, yeah, right. No, no. I was going on a tangent. Oh, that's um, the best. I love and it. And I was we were in Darwin, so we actually we had a footy camp. I actually missed school, so I didn't really get to unwind too much. And I was also seventeen, so I couldn't actually go out anyways without a fakie. So yeah, um, I went to Bali. <laughs> smart. See, that's what I that's what I should have done. So yeah, You're I, at I footy remember. Camp. I remember looking like I was in a bunk bed with uh, Bobby Hill, who actually plays at GWS. And we were just like, I was just going through my Snapchat and seeing all my friends like like being drunk and silly and having fun. I was like, well, I've, I've tipped into this 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 life and this is what I'm doing. So I was like, nah, I'm, I'm happy I'm here. And I mean, I guess it worked out all right. So. Yeah, good on you. It sounds like you've had such great maturity and acceptance into the path that you were moving on from the end of school. And even like, it sounds like from that, 15 years old once you realized you know what let's get school done properly mm. it's just a super mature mindset so many young people find it very hard and get quite lost finishing school and that's where i think this idea of choosing <clears throat> to be an athlete is 
in my opinion, such a great thing. And obviously I feel very privileged and I'm sure you do too of the opportunity that the the opportunity and responsibility that comes with sort of talent. And obviously there's so much hard work that goes into it, but there is also that small time frame that you can really be an athlete. I mean, in my mind, I kind of call it like 20 to 30 years kind of your athlete years. And I mean, I've had a great time and now doing other things, but yeah, I think it's so important to develop good habits and so many athletes do do it. But then a lot of athletes, and I, I want to chat to you about this, only have it for their sport and then post-sport they struggle, whereas it's really cool that you've t- taken on your education as well. I think it's going to come in very handy for you. We're, we're going to come back to the AFL and I talked to you about the draft, but what's your goals post? I, I kind of want to ask this because I find it very curious, someone who's very in the middle of their career, early in their career actually. What would you want to do after asking this question now? Because someone's going to ask you this question in 10 years at the end of your career and be like, what do you want to do now? But I want to ask you now, what, what would be your goals now after your career in AFL? Yeah, well, I have a funny answer because I, so I'm studying Bachelor of Business major in marketing at the moment. Yeah. So, and I was good at business in high school. So that was kind of my reasoning for doing that course. But I just always say that I just want to be a millionaire businessman when I'm older and I don't know how, Oh, I don't know what it's going to be, but I just, I genuinely believe that. So like that this that. is one of the steps that I'm taking um, to kind of, well, upskill myself and you know, I don't know much about the, the entire mm. topic. I'm meant to be a millionaire businessman without, without knowing about business. So this is like the baby steps towards that, but that's kind of my, my reasoning for doing the course is to also figure out what, what it is I want to do like what mm. this business is so it's so broad, broad. so there's yeah. like that making a statement like that is just like all right cool like what are you hey actually gonna do that and that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out as I meet new people I've got oh. some really cool businessy minds at the club like I was speaking to Mason Cox he's probably one of the best in the AFL at um um like networking and, and finding connections and building a brand and like having conversations with people like that um, mm. are things that that would definitely help me, I think, post-football. But, yeah, I, uh, it's a great question to ask because it's something that, you know, you never know when it could come realistically. I, I plan on playing for another 10 years, but yeah, everyone does. So um, yeah. it's, good to, it's good to have a plan B for sure. Yeah, I think just <clears> being <throat> aware of it because I, I carried that throughout my surf career quite a lot was like, oh, what am I going to do next? Whereas I've kind of started to find my path and it's something that yeah. I'm, I'm proud of, but I'm also very, have also been very aware of throughout my career. So I've always been like, hmm, what else? What else? Because I feel like it's a bit different for you. Obviously a team sport, you do get this collective, like doing it for everyone. Whereas as an individual athlete, it makes it like, oh, I'm just trying to win for myself. I kind of felt this bit of selfishness towards like the back half of my twenties. Like I'm 28. Yeah. So I was kind of like, you know what? I want to do something that has more impact, but that's where I'm at now. But let's rewind now. Let's go to your, um, getting picked for the, in the draft. What was that like? So do you want to explain to me like the lead up to getting picked? You play that year in that 32 team of 32. And then they're like, bang, did you kind of know you were going to get picked by Collingwood or was it just sitting there on draft <laughs> night? And then, because I, I think if, I haven't watched too many AFL drafts, but I've seen like a couple of NFL drafts and it's like they get the hat on your head and they like pick you out. How was that moment for you getting picked for Collingwood, the team that you support? Yeah, it was it was super special. I think um, leading into the year, like it was, it was, you know, there was obviously all these these conversations being had. My name was being, you know, 
thrown into a hat about, oh, am I going to Collingwood? Because I had this, it's called Next Generation Academy, which is basically like a program that is trying to uh, incorporate more multicultural people into the game. Mm-hmm. So it essentially aligns multicultural people from different areas to an AFL club. And mine was Collingwood <clears throat> in regards to where I lived. Yeah. So um, so I always had that connection growing up. I, I knew I did a program with them from about the age of 16. So I knew that that was something that could potentially come if I kept my footy going really well. Yeah. Um, I had a pretty strong year that that top age year. We, uh, had, I was vice captain of Vic Metro as well. Um, <clears throat> we did really well at Oakley. We lost in the grand final, but we had a really strong year. And personally, I did too. So I was pretty confident towards the end of the year that like, I kind of knew that I was going to get drafted. It was just whether what pick it was. And then I was I was also pretty confident that Collingwood was going to match any bid. That's basically what happened. So another team picks you and then Collingwood say, no, nah, we want him. And they get first first grab of me. So uh-huh. um yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting little process, but yeah, that was kind of how it all, all went down. And I didn't know for sure until probably a few days earlier, where I think I just heard through the grapevine that you know Collingwood were like, if whatever pick you go, we're taking it. So it kind of took all the edge off. Like I just was able to just really sit back and enjoy the process because it can be such a stressful night for so many people. Mm. Um, and we obviously got to go to Marble Stadium and be in the crowd and actually get your name called and go up and shake the person's hand and take your photo. And it was like, like that, those are moments that like I'll have with me forever. Cause that's like all I dreamt of for like three years leading up to that point was getting drafted by Collingwood. So um, it was a whirlwind that night. Like I remember looking at my phone and like, I, I look at my phone. I've got, I went from like 2000 followers, to like 10,000 in like, five minutes i had the blue i had the blue tick i was like what is going on eddie mcguire called me i was like eddie mcguire called me like pendles was texting me like it was just yeah it was seriously one of the best moments ever and i had my family with me and um yeah it was just like so good so that cool. that's so cool man so so what's that transition now you get picked for the team you straight <clears> into <throat> training like is that at the end of the season before they pick the draft for like the next year, or is it like right at the start? Cause obviously you need to go to preseason and whatnot. Cause from yeah. the other rugby and um, rugby league and union players I spoke to preseason seems to be the worst time of training for everyone. When do they pick that? And what was that next sort of few months before the season kicked off? And were you playing straight away that season or were you kind of on the reserve part of the team? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, we got drafted, I think it was like no, late November. So the boys had actually already started preseason. So they were a couple of weeks in, I think, to preseason. So we, I think the draft, this is how the draft was on a Friday. We had, um, the next day we had a function with the other draftees that got drafted at Collingwood. And then a few of like the younger lads at Collingwood just to meet them and kind of mingle. And that was really cool. And then the next day we basically got stuck into training. Oh, it's so good introduced to the club, like went, went into the club, had a tour of the club, got screened, all these you know, physios had a look at you, all these different things, got a few education pieces in regards to, you know, <clears throat> what the club stands for and all these. It was, it was kind of like the first couple of days kind of drag out a little bit. We didn't actually train the first session we were out there. We just went out and kind of watched the boys train. And then, <clears throat> sorry, 
bro. This, yeah. this, this voice is losing it's it. It's starting to get cold down in um, Melbourne. Yeah, eh? I know. It's, it's, it's not good, but um, yeah. So then essentially we got, we got within three or four days after being drafted, you get stuck into training and then you kind of, you know, you do about 70% in the first session, 80%, and then you slowly just work your way up to doing, <clears throat> sorry, 100% of the session. So, um, yeah, my, my first year was probably like, Everyone wants to get drafted and and play straight away, and I and I didn't I didn't I kind of had to fight my way into the team. I we I came into Collingwood that year was probably one of the strongest teams in the AFL, mm-hmm. so I had to really fight my way in. Um, I played fourteen I think it was fourteen games or twelve games in, in the VFL. I think it was fourteen, and then came in <clears throat> around eighteen I think it was against Hawthorne. So we played Hawthorne yesterday. Um, and I came in against them and we actually lost that game. And then I played four games and then I had a stress reaction in my left metatarsals and my left my left foot, really. Um, and that ruled me out for the rest of the year. Um, and then I ended up getting hip surgery as well that off-season. So my first year was not as – didn't go as planned. Um, you know, how you kind of dream it to go, you kind of come in and start dominating. It didn't really work like that for me. but. Mm. I think it built a lot of resilience. It taught me, it was almost a good little baby step before getting into the big leagues. Like I think if I just got thrown in there, I don't know how I would have gone when I reflect on it. Um, I think almost in a, in a sense, it was almost a good thing for me that I got kind of got slowly introduced into the game plan, got to meet people, build connections, uh, kind of figure out where I stood in the what my strengths were, what 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 I could bring to the team, um, and then by the time I came into the team, I was itching like I I was like let's go like I'm ready to go and I played mm. quite well my first game and since then I haven't I haven't I haven't gone back so that's just kind of yeah my my little journey yeah being drafted. I love that it sounds very methodical this idea of getting in wanting to have this big impact. I mean, I've, I'm kind of friends with like Dill Buckley and a few people who talk about this idea of like in and out and like trying to get your real spot in the team and be like a first, you know what I mean, running on the field yeah. every game can be quite yeah. difficult. And you obviously had those speed bumps to deal with the first year from a few injuries. Were you a bit nervous with the injuries? Like, oh, am I going to have my spot in the team? Someone else is coming up? Or were you kind of like, you know what, it's good to let me find my spot in the team? watch where everything, how everything works, get back better from my injury and come back sort of second season, fired up. We, did that kind of give you a bit of perspective? Yeah, definitely. It was a bit of both. Like, um, I think early on in my first year, I was really naive in regards to my body. Like, I'd never really been injured like that before. So, like, I was kind of just like, yeah, I'm invincible. Like, I don't, like it's just I'm young and I can do whatever. I don't really have to do much prep. We spent a lot of time doing injury prevention exercises, which is like, you, you probably would have done them as well. I'm sure Pre-hab. you know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah all that stuff. So <clears throat> I didn't really tip into that at all. I kind of was just like, you know, just lift heavy, be strong. Like, mm. <clears throat> who needs all that little stuff? Whereas when I did my injury, I kind of realized I had to tip into that a lot more. Um, so that was a really good learning curve for me because I almost learned. <clears throat> I almost learned the hard way, like by literally I had, I had to do this stuff to get yeah. my foot better. So I think that was a blessing in disguise. And then I came back really hungry and prepared to yeah. attack the next year. 
I love that. Such a silver lining to an early in your career injury. And that's happened quite a lot to there's a few surfers that I sort of reflect on when you say that guy, I don't know if you've heard of Mick Fanning. I'm sure you've heard of Mick Fanning. He did his hamstring and it kind of gave him same thing. This idea of like, Oh, I didn't realize how much more I can do for my body and how much more I should be doing for my body and learning that super early in your career. I can imagine is going to be so beneficial for you moving forward but it sounds like it was nice having it in your first season where it wasn't a career ending injury. It was more of like an eye opening one. Spot on. Yeah. It was, again, when I look back on it, it was actually a really positive thing for me because yeah, the the way I was going was, it was, it wasn't sustainable. Like it wasn't sustainable Mm. for a long career. And when you look at the likes of Scott Penderbury, he's played, whatever it is, 300, 300 billion games, it's like <clears throat> these are the things you have to do to to be that type of player. Um, so, yeah. And, and so much yeah, so much growth comes from those injuries too. I don't know if you know Reese Hodge who plays for the Wallabies. He's actually down in Melbourne, yeah. plays for the Rebels as well. He talks <laughs> a lot about like this idea if he got injured and then just spent a year just becoming a beast in the gym and came back looking like a different <clears throat> specimen. Like yeah. he's a big Sick. boy. I've had him on the podcast. He's, um, his injuries are crazy and his comebacks have been incredible. But how was it coming into the AFL now as like one of the names of the team? Do you feel a bit of pressure being quite a young player but, having quite a big profile in the um in the AFL this year? Um no, I don't really feel too much pressure in regards to that. I think to be honest, all the pressure that I feel is internally, like I put I have I have really high standards of myself and um that's probably the thing that, that gets to me more than anything, to be honest. Like to be honest, the Magpie Army, like they're the best. They they they're so positive in regards to me um, and what I do and they really appreciate the work that I put in. So <clears throat> fans wise, I get a lot of love. So I'm very lucky. Um, hopefully that, that can stay around for the next, next 10 years. When I'm, <laughs> as I'm I sure. continue to play fingers crossed, but um, yeah, I think the pressure that, that I feel is, yeah, it's all, it's all brought upon myself, but by myself really. Mm. So how do you deal with disappointments? then if you put that pressure on yourself, what's your process if you have a bad game? Because obviously the underlying theme of Good Humans podcast is mental health and just as much as you want to go into it. But what I've noticed through asking this question to a lot of my guests is everybody has a different way to deal with stuff and everybody has a process and we can learn from other people's. So what's your process the day after a bad game? How do you overcome that and come back better the next week? Usually I just try and take my mind off the sport like I just almost try and forget about it I always say that I have amnesia after a game like I literally I can't remember last night's game that well like I just it just just evaporates from my memory for whatever reason and I I often catch up with friends or I'm with my girlfriend after a game and I feel like those are things that that help me kind of take my mind away from you know playing a a crap game if that's the case or, or a bad loss and kind of and then at the end of the day, like it's perspective. Like it's like really, it's not that deep. Like it's like in the scheme mm-hmm. of life, this is like a tiny little bleep. Like it doesn't mean that much. But mm-hmm. right now it hurts. But when you're talking big picture, it's not it's not the end of the world. So I think there are a few other ways that I kind of look at it. I, I like to like review my game a couple of days after and kind of get some pointers to what I did bad or what I did for my RFIs, what I could what I could improve yeah. on and then what I 
did really well. Um, and Justin Lepich, who's a backline coach, is like unreal at that. Like I love just he's, he's really positive and and um, is really process driven, right? Regard like and not so much outcome. So I think that's really important as well. But yeah, they're probably a few of like yeah. the tricks that I have. To- no, I love that you brought that up. The idea for one is this idea of perspective and realizing that our reality, what we look at as like, oh my God, everyone's like picking apart that I had an average game. Mm. Generally, nobody cares. And if they do, who cares anyway? It's like, I yeah. my, as long as you tried your best, it doesn't matter. I want to ask this question quickly as well, this idea of trying to like drop the game. What about when you have a good game? Do you try and do the same? Because quite often people can become absorbed in their performance, whether it's good or bad. Do you kind of try and do the same after? Be around people that obviously care and they're your biggest supporters, your friends and family. But at the same time, that's just you like what little 1% of your life is the AFL. It doesn't define who you are. You're Isaac as everyone's mate. Is that important for you to be around people just as much after a good game as a bad game to keep you back in that sort of humble person you are yeah no I, I kind of follow the same thing regardless when win or loss good or bad game i'm always around like my, my favorite people after a game um whoever that may be and then that kind of just helps me take my mind off the game and like i yeah i, I just think like it's as i said like it's just not that it's not deep like if you play well it's like okay you play well this week then I'm like, I almost if I play well, I almost go, all right, let's do this again next week. Like I'm ready yeah. on to the next one. Like I'm like, whereas if I play bad, I'm like, all right, I want to get to the train track. I want to, I really, I want to work. Like let's get to work. Let's work on this. Let's work on that. Mm. And I think it's almost this. I've, I've the more I mature and the more I grow in regards to that stuff. This I want the same thing to happen when I play well. Like it's mm. like all right. I be I, like personally right now. I'm I'm really working on my ground ball and then also my aerial. So it's like two opposites. It's like I, my aerial was actually pretty good yesterday, and so was my ground ball. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to work on them throughout the week. It's I still yeah. get to work on them. So it's like I almost just try and just move it, move move to the next thing, like on to the next one. Let's just yeah. enjoy enjoy what I'm doing right now, and then let's get on to the next thing. Yeah, that's so cool that you have that mindset, and you're going to go a long way because of that. Got a few last questions. What's the average week look like for you? So this is a perfect example for right now. Um, you played a game yesterday as mm. of when we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon. This is a Monday morning right now while we're recording. What's your week look like now? First of all, thank you as well for getting up at 8 o'clock the morning after nah, uh, after no, playing a game to have a chat, to some, to, to chat to some guy that you've never met before. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, what's what's your week look like now? So when, when's your next game? You said you had an 8 Eight days off. Eight days, yeah. So we play next Monday. So it's actually a big game. This is your bit. Play against Melbourne, um, who are the, the best team in the comp, really, at the moment. Um, and it's a Queen's birthday game, so it's a big, it's a big event. There's a, there's a yeah, whole yeah. event that goes with it. Um, so we've got a bit of an extra break. So I think I actually haven't even checked my schedule, but I assume that we're in at the club tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and then so we you get today off. You get a full day off after the yeah, game. Full day off. So today I'll just be chilling. Not doing too much. Um, I'll probably go get a coffee. I'll have my my little YoPro little squeeze thing that I usually have <laughs> most mornings. That's also part of my routine. But um, yeah, it'd be pretty cruisy today. I'll just be chilling out, um, and then we'll slowly build into the week. We we have a light session tomorrow, 
Um, depending on how I'm feeling, I might do a little bit of a circuit. I like to, I, I can put on weight really quickly and I get a little bit, a little bit tubby. So I, I like to just do a couple of circuits every now and then if I'm feeling all right post game, just to burn a few calories. Um, and then I think we actually have a couple of days off this week. I think we have Wednesday, Friday, cause we have an extra you know, yeah. a long break. So it's actually a pretty, it's a, it's a well-balanced week. I get to, um, I've got a, and it actually works out really well because I'm, I'm moving house. Yeah, yeah, apartment on, on, on Wednesday and then we've got the removals coming on Friday so I need those days off to, <laughs> to do that so this week's actually chock-a-block to be honest it's actually a bit of a outlier compared to what I usually do but I, I usually keep things pretty pretty chill in regards to training stuff it's we've got two main sessions uh three on gym the, sessions yeah three gym session two so on this is through, throughout, yeah throughout yeah. the week um and yeah, we, we follow a pretty similar routine. It just depends on the break between games that that, that yeah. kind of dictates and the week. And if you have a home or away game, like the travel, Correct. it must yeah. come with yeah. it. Spot on, spot on. So like, yeah, it, it'll be, but yeah, this week will be um, pretty full on, I could imagine. Let's see how we go. Yeah, well, this episode's going to come out the Friday after you just played on the Monday um, okay. on the Queen's cool. birthday. So we'll see how it played out for you. I'm going to watch that yeah, now. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I watch it. I've got to start watching my AFL. I've got a few people that I've made with. I met, um, oh, I'm not even, I've, I can't even remember his name. The guy, Robbo, that plays for up on the Gold Coast. Oh, somewhere? Mitch Robinson. Yeah, Mitch Robbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Legend. Yeah, yeah. Such yeah. a legend. He, um, he's yeah. friends with the guys that I work with and he comes into my work all the time. He's just oh, a really? legend. And so I was where like, are you based? I'm on the Gold based? Coast. You're in the Gold Coast. Sick. Yeah, yeah. So if you ever, when you when are you guys playing the Goldie? Oh, is there we're a Gold Coast playing, Yeah, we're playing um, in a few weeks. We're playing Up in here? Yeah, yeah, at Gold Coast. Oh, yeah. I'll have to hit you up. Maybe I'll try yeah, and sneak I'll, a little ticket and come live. Yeah, I'll get a ticket. Easy, done. I'll have to um, I'll have to take you for a surf one day. Have you ever surfed? No, I haven't. I was actually I've been me and my girlfriend have been having this conversation. I'm low key petrified of the ocean, but at the same oh. time I love it. But I'm also scared. Like I'm very uh, very uh, wary of the dangers that come with being in the ocean. And hey, that's why I respect mate. people that surf because you guys are in my mind are crazy. <laughs> i'm not that crazy i'm um, <laughs> i'm just doing my thing but no hopefully if I, if, you're, if you're on the goldie and you have i don't know yeah. i'm sure i'm sure you're hectic busy but if you want to learn i'll take you out for a surf lesson but yeah. what i was going to say is i'm gonna i'm trying to tee up come down to melbourne soon to catch up with a bunch of people um and all of them are all just like legends in all different things from like jackson war and shane Warren's sons like one of my really good friends and then like hugh van kylenberg and um a few other people and like Dill Buckley and Dan Gorange and stuff. Like I've got all these people that I need to catch up with. And I'm like, how can I do this in a good way? So I'm thinking about trying to get like the urban surf wave pool booked out for like, or like just one session for like an hour or something and invite like all that, and, like hopefully invite you and just like teach everyone how to surf in the pool. So maybe in the pool we'll get you. It's a bit easier. Uh, yeah. That's, that's a very good little baby step for me. I'd love to, I'd love to learn in that. I've actually, that's something I've been wanting to tick off to be honest. The urban right. surf. I'll put it on my list. I'll, I'll met, I've got a few contacts at urban surf. I'll tell them, I've got oh, you can bring a few of your mates and I'll teach a few of you how to surf down at Urban Surf one day. Let's book that in. I'm let's, keen. All right, lock it in and you guys can bring me <laughs> to a game and I can actually watch a game at AFL in Done. real life. Done deal. Beautiful. Done deal. All right, we're gonna get to the end now because I am sort of blabbing on, but let's um let's talk about the rest of this year. What's the goals for you guys? I'm gonna be completely honest, I don't follow your guys' ladder. How you guys sitting is um yeah. premier premiership on your mind. Obviously, you probably play not 
playing in the right mindset if the premiership isn't on your mind. But Correct, yeah, yeah. let's um yeah. yeah, what's going on the rest of the year? When does the season finish up for you guys? Uh, again, it depends as to whether you make finals yeah, yeah. or not. But I think uh, I think it's either early October, late September. If that's, okay. So you got a while uh, still. You got plenty of yeah. yeah. We're only at round twelve, I think, okay. nice. this week. So and there's twenty three rounds. So we've okay. still got still yeah, a fair wow. bit to go. We're only just halfway. Um. So yeah, we're we're currently eight, I believe. Yeah. But Richmond didn't play this week, so um, we're a game ahead of them. So technically, we could be equal, or they could be above us. So give or take, we're just just on the brink of breaking into the eight and then we're kind of getting kicked back out and breaking in. So we're, we're Tough kind spot of fighting, on the bubble. fighting for that final spot. But I mean, there's, we're, I was speaking to Pendles about last night. We've still got, there's still 12 weeks of the year. So yeah, realistically, yeah. If, if we're eight come round 23, then bless, like where everyone's happy. Like, but, mm-hmm. but, but right now it's like, we're, we're still fighting to solidify that spot. So yeah, that's, that's the, that's the plan for us, obviously, is to make finals and then make a really good push. We, we, we've got a lot of belief in our in our team. We've got a young team, mm. um, so there's almost a little bit of unknown, you know, players like uh, the player Ollie Henry. Um, uh, you probably wouldn't have heard him, but he's been killing it the last couple of weeks. Like he kicked, I think, it was four goals and a half last week, and then he's kicked the match winner yesterday. So Epic. people like that who are kind of coming just continuing to build each week and and showing what they can do is so cool to see. So hopefully with another, you know, 12 games into them mm. or 11 games, whatever it is, they'll be, you know, even further down the development chain. So um, it's really exciting. We've got a yeah, great group. Some, some of my, my good mates play for the club and I've, I've made some really cool connections. So I'm just excited for, for that. Um, we, have a, we have a buy after... Um, the Queen's birthday game. So I'm actually going to Byron with a few of the um, footy boys as well, which will be really exciting. And then uh, I've got something planned for my girlfriend and I over that weekend. So that'll be kind of good to just kind of switch off for for a week or so and, and just kind of connect with my mates and just chill out and be by the beach and then, you know, go up a nice dinner and that. So lucky yeah, your be- lucky your beaches in Melbourne don't have much surf. So there you go. Yeah, no, that's anything. I always, that's, my- I always don't mind it, you see, because then I just go out there play, play with the skimmer ball a little bit, and then I'm back in. I know it's but- funny. All, all my friends in Melbourne are like, "Yeah, I had a nice day down the beach." I'm like, "You didn't go to the beach." The beaches like aren't lake. beaches in Melbourne. Yeah. yeah, it's just a big, it's a big lake. Um, yeah. But now that that was a question that I wanted to ask you. What sort of do you have any daily habits or rituals that you do for your well being? Stuff like for me, I pra- I meditate every day. I practice mm-hmm. gratitude every day. Is there any like little things that directly or indirectly you think you take care of your well being? Exactly like you mm-hmm. said, just like catching up with your friends and family, spending some time. Like you might not realize it, but these are things that we all do for our well being. Yeah. Yeah, I think for, for me, it's I I enjoy just being around people. Whether it's I, I I like to game as well, so I play a bit of COD. So I play whether it's some I'm in a chat group chat with the boys and just you know having a bit of banter with them, mm. or I'm with my girlfriend, or I'm with my friends, or I'm with family. I think that's growing up in a big family. That's something that I've always tipped a lot of energy into, and I get a lot of energy from as well. Um, but yeah, in regards to meditation and stuff like that, I don't really do that that much. Of that. I do a, a bit of, well, no, I don't do a bit. I, I visualize the days leading up to the game and mm. that, that helps me with my with my preparation. I think just before I'm going to bed, usually I just just sit in bed and just 
oh, I probably do technically do a bit of meditation, just some yeah. slow breathing to start, just to get myself into that that headspace, and then I usually try and just get a bit of visualization going. But and that just kind of helps me prepare and feel a bit more. I don't know, like a I've bit more clarity about the next. Yeah, day. yeah, like I've almost been there before I've been there. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I'm a bit of a routine based person. Like I like routine. So like, yeah. obviously this this um this is this whole thing is through Yopro and Yopro is a big part of my routine. Like I, we get sent a whole bunch of Yopro and I, I, that's all part of it. Like I have a Yopro every morning um, or most mornings before I, before I get to the club. And that's just something that kind of kickstarts my day, coffee and the Yopro. That's just like my mm-hmm. little thing that I do. And these are things that I think help me out with I don't know, getting myself in the right headspace and kind of starting the day in a positive yeah. manner. So I love yeah. that. Absolutely beautiful. Well, I'm looking forward to hopefully coming to watch you play a game and taking you yeah. for nine days. No, we'll, we'll be in touch. Be yeah, good. yeah. I'll have to. I'll get you can. I'll get your Instagram and stuff, and we'll catch up after this and try and tee up. Um, get to come watch you. It. It'll be fun to watch you on the Goldie, but then it'll be good to try and get you in the wave pool or at least surfing at yeah. some stage. Oh, it'll no. be fun. It'll, you'll be. You'll just be laughing at me the whole time. Trust me. <laughs> oh, no, I think it's mate, man. Well, this has been really cool getting to know you and getting to hear your story. It sounds like you've had. Uh, like you said at the start, a bit different of an upbringing to so many in the AFL. Mm. It's been really interesting to get to understand the career path a bit more. It's fascinated me the importance of your study as well, moving forward in your career and having this understanding and maturity to your education has been really cool. And the last question I always finished Good Humans podcast with is what does being a good human mean to Isaac Quainer? Good human mean? I think being a good human... Um... I think you have to you have to put in in most situations. I think you have to put others before yourself and think of how you impact others and how and how and vice versa. I think that's something that that is important. I think in regards to being a good human, I think finding finding things that make you happy and and being able to provide happiness for others. I think that's important in regards to being a good human. Um, and I think fi- finding something that like you enjoy doing and that and that provides you a lot of happiness and and um what's the word i'm looking purpose for? yeah purpose spot on yeah <laughs> i think that, that those are things that i fulfillment yeah that will take you a long way to being being a good person i think but that's a that's a great question i think that's something that we should think about more often it's a good one to reflect on like, isn't it like there almost should be a pretty pretty not obvious answer because like as you said everyone would have their own way of looking at it but exactly yeah it's something that we should think of more often definitely i like that i like that reflection that you kind of just (laughs) said like it is important because we all say i guess if you ask anyone do you want to be a good human everyone will say yes but then saying well what does being a good human mean it makes you kind of think and don't worry everybody gets stumped on that question and like everybody almost everybody you'll be guest 52 has had a different response in, in some way so it's really cool to see that we all articulate and all think differently and have a different understanding but there's just a million different um ways to respond to what just being a good human means so yeah it's great to know that yours is and so often it does come up the idea of doing kind things for others and taking mm. care of yourself and finding something that you love doing but man it's been incredible i could chat to you for hours and i'm sure we hopefully will continue a cool friendship because i'm fascinated by your story I'm sure all the guests will be stoked. I'll leave all of your um, 
socials and whatnot in the show notes for people to get in touch. If you did enjoy the episode out there to everyone listening, please make sure you take a screenshot of the little thing on your phone, tag me and Isaac both on your Instagram because, yeah, hopefully a lot of people can learn from your story. I know I'm inspired by your work ethic and inspired by the journey you've been on and you've got a new fan. I'm excited to watch you and get a bit more into that as well <laughs> because it's cool. I appreciate when, it. When you know someone, it makes it a bit more fun watching <laughs> watching them. But, yeah, man, no doubt, no thanks doubt. for taking the phone call and saying yes to YoPro to talking to some random dude that's got this podcast. And, yeah, it's been a great pleasure having a chat. No, thanks, man. I've actually really enjoyed it. We've had some super cool questions, some unique questions that I've never been asked before. So well, I, I look forward to hearing a bit more about your story as well because it seems like it's pretty cool too. So yeah, we'll man, be in touch. To, yeah, yeah, we'll have to catch up for more. But anyway, we'll end the pod here. We'll have a chat off, off air in a sec. But thanks for tuning in, everyone, and I'll see you guys soon. Peace. And that's a wrap. You've made it all the way to the end of the episode, and I'm so grateful for you for that. If you learned something new in today's episode, Make sure you try and implement it into your life. So often we get great information and we become curious about something, but we don't act on it. So I challenge you, act on the new things you learn in this podcast because I guarantee they're going to make your life better. Another thing that'll make your life better is our Good Human Factory Feel Good School and Workplace Workshops. Over the last two years, I've developed a workshop that has been seen by close to 5,000 students and over 1,000 corporates. I wanted to make mental health cool and challenge the way people think about mental health. In the workshop, I deliver an hour of practical, easy to implement daily habits that'll improve your life. If you want to learn more about the workshop, please reach out to us. In the show notes, you'll see an inquiry form or just send me an email, cooper at thegoodhumanfactory.com and I'll send you an information pack, mention the podcast and I'll give you 10% off as well. Take care of yourself and have a great day. This has been a Wellbeing Network podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.